0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of Under the Helmet. Well, week two in the AP DFL has come and gone. We mm-hmm. saw excellent games. We saw teams that are probably going to surprise us for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Before we bring on our guests, let me run through a couple of quick thoughts. Last night, you saw the defending champion, Mississippi Dynasty, fight back the threat of the Alabama Alabama Blackhawks 22-14 to 14 in two overtimes. From what I saw of the game via Facebook Live and shaky footage, it was physical like I thought it would be. And I have to say that these two teams, they could see each other again. Where I was impressed by the strength of the Dynasty defensive line. Like number 10, Lewis Ellis. That man refuses to stay blocked. You 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 might need to use like a tranquilizer dart, car, something, food, anything to keep, slow him down. He was in the backfield more than the running back was. He was blowing up plays. He gave the Blackhawks zero time to get a rhythm or zero time to find their way offensively. And you could tell it showed. And that man's a force where you might not see him rack up outrageous numbers or gaudy stats or receive the acclaim, he's a game wrecker. He wrecks entire game plans, and he makes sure that you know his presence is felt. On the other side of the ball, you have the Blackhawks, and their, their defensive line held their own. They were pressuring Stephen Jackson just as much. They got home a few times, and they made sure that they made their presence felt repeatedly. When I look at this game and when I saw when I kind of pieced together a couple of the stats and kind of pieced together a couple of the pieces of film, it's interesting to me that in the world of semi-pro, the one underrated thought or the one underrated aspect of the game is special teams. Teams literally do not make a concerted effort to either recruit a kicker or come up with any semblance of a game plan. Last night in the game, you saw botch kicks. You saw block punch. You just saw overall bad special teams play. And when the Blackhawks tied the game at 14, all they had to do was kick, a field goal, uh, kick an extra point games over, they would have upset the champs. Not having the faith in your kicker, not having the faith in someone to kick an extra point is rather concerning especially in semi-pro where a field goal is not that far for an extra point. No one's asking anyone to boot from 50. If you can make it from inside 35 and in, 30-35, you're good. And that would help teams get over the hump. A few times, you saw the Dynasty stall out in the red zone. Even inside the 10, they stalled out. They had to go for it and it just you're walking away from points. And these are the things that will hurt teams. And if you are in this league or any league in semi-pro, find a decent kicker. He doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be a Hall of Famer. He just has to be good enough to make this kick win the pressure's on. That's all he has to be. And you can tell that some of these games will come down to a point or two. And... It is interesting to see how the rest of the league will shake out. And last night, like I said, the defensive lines of both teams carry the day where the defensive line of the dynasty is the heart and soul of that entire team. They are ferocious. They have an upcoming battle with the City Kings this Saturday night, and you will see physical offense of mine in a physical running game versus a relentless defense but if we were to spin forward to a couple of other games that happened last night, you had the Gulf Coast Gators defeat the South Alabama Dolphins 6-0. This was kind of a a semi-route game. We have two teams that are trying to make their way to the upper echelon of the APDFL, and it was a 6-0 game. South, South Alabama, everyone knew coming in, you would have a ferocious pass rush and a supreme defense. They, they get after the quarterback, and they put heat on him. Ty- Tyrone Jones is an excellent quarterback, and they kind of bottle him up in spots. Offensively, it just seemed from the witness reports and accounts that with the switching of quarterbacks, you saw a lot of drop passes for the Dolphins. They have the defense to make noise. But as a current theme in the APDFL, you need to pair that with some semblance of a competent offense. You have to find that rhythm. You have to find that ability to get there. And I think South Alabama is going to be a team to be be reckoned with. I have the utmost faith in them to show out and to perform very well. I just – I just hope that they, but getting back to it, the. I think that when you come down to it and you see other games like the Wreckers over the Predators, the Jets shot the, the Vikings. And when I want to talk to our guests and definitely discuss the. the Jets game, there's been kind of a, back and forth about padding of the stats. And for me, it's, I don't know, it's it's an accusation where, yes, some of those stats don't really, at times, not picking on any one team, but some of them don't tend to show up and be the most accurate. I think that the, the process is that stats have to be buttressed by sound film and sound ability to get that un- underway and to get that moving. And I just think that once teams kind of get the, the hang of there's more to football than just on the field, you'll see a lot crisper stats, and you'll see more stats and more film. But congratulations to the Jets for beating a pretty good Vikings team. And when you look at the APDFL, especially this week, you had not to – Bring a whole bunch of names, but you had an issue over the bylaws. And if you're a team owner, as in anything, the team is your product. It's what you put on the field, and you gotta read the bylaws. They're there for a reason. And for me, it's it's as a casual observer, it's more of there's no reason to hop on social media and be mad. It's more of read the bylaws, follow them, don't follow them, suffer the consequences. You move on from it. You get better. You learn from it. And I just think that. It should be more of an effort placed towards the actual business of football. Like all of us, like to joke around, be petty, and laugh. But when those when those pads start popping and those helmets start colliding, that's when a lot of the talking kind of slows down. Brings me to my last opening point. When you look at the scope and the width of football, especially semi-pro. There's always a need for a national champion. And as a casual observer, I've watched so many, so many teams and leagues declare themselves the national champion. And I just don't really see that there's a true national champion. You have four or five different national championships, but there's no criteria, there's no warning, there's no system of we chose this team because they did this, this, and this. There's no true ranking system because in semi-pro there are too many hands involved in the process. If you have one sanctioned body to award a national championship based on a game I think that would help the sport grow exponentially from coast to coast. You have strong teams in California, you have strong teams down south, up up here in the Midwest, even a few back east. Where I'm surprised that more of these bigger leagues don't tend to sit at the same table and wanna have that boasting of we won the national championship this year. And for me it's just I don't see it as anything but a necessity. Like there are at last count. I counted four different national championship games. That's way too many. It's it's Especially at this level, you need one or maybe two. And it's just, the lead needs to be sharper as, these leads need to be sharper as far as putting this out into the masses and as far as trying to put things together. And it's just, it's bothersome because when the season ends, you have a long offseason. You have players, may they may play another season, like if APDFL guys, some of them might jump in the summer league or play a fall league, but the ones who don't, they have that long offseason from, let's just say, May or June to about February. What does it look forward to? If you had a national championship game in, I don't know, July or August, you could definitely drum up interest and bring semi-pro to the forefront. With the Alliance doing the same for the NFL as far as it's not the NFL but it's a reasonable facsimile thereof, I think semi-pro is honor-bound to help their players and help the organizations in these leagues kind of reach for more. I just don't see the urgency or the want of certain leagues and if there's a setup there People need to understand that there's a setup and there's a setup to get this done. There are plans in place. But before we bring in I guess let me kind of jump back to the our Dynasty versus Blackhawks. When I watch this game, I watch the fact that if you look at the landscape APDFL, yes, the Dynasty are still the odds on favorite to 3P. You literally have between six and eighteen that can, could conceivably, under the right circumstances, maybe a player gets hot, maybe a couple players that's hot, or coaching reaches a certain group, who them more up to their money. Just off the top of my head, outside of the you have the Blackhawks, the Dolphins, the Gators, the Kings. Don't forget about the Predators, even though they lost to the record. The record themselves sound defense. They just never stop. They never stop defensively. Teams like that, if you have a sound defense, if you can cobble together in offense, just cobble just Just place parts, even if it's a couple, couple of gadget plays that kind of get you some, some points. In this league, if you score 17 points, 18 points, there's a fair chance that you will be able to win these games. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of these teams tend to fail when it comes to that. And it just, for me, it's, I don't really quite understand it. But I see we have our first guest on the night. He is one of the the, the leaders of the Coruscant City Kings. It's funny because I've been pr- pronouncing his last name to myself in my head for the better part of three hours, getting it right. Roy Remini. Roy, how do you do tonight?
1: I'm doing good. That's a
0: good job. That's perfect. I was sitting like Rod Bruggie, like looking from the mirror, like trying to say it right. Just kind of breathing to myself. Man, listen, you guys have quite the task ahead of you with that tr- the game against the uh, dynasty. Well, what's the mood of the team uh, coming off the the win in week one?
1: Oh, we still have a lot of work left to do. Um... It was a it was a good win for the team, but we 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 feel like we're real far away from where we need to be. Now for you as
0: a veteran of the team, what's what's your what's your first role during like during the practices, even before practice like what's your task at hand?
1: Um, I mean, well, nobody has a specific task. It's pretty much come in, do your work, be disciplined, get everything done, and, you know, work hard. Because that's the only way you can get anywhere in life is working hard. So, I mean, we try to instill that every day, every practice.
0: We are also joined by Mississippi Dynasty offensive lineman, Mike Gatewood. Mike,
2: how are you doing,
0: my man? Hey, how you doing? Man, how you feeling after that rough one last night?
2: Oh man, I'm sorry. It was a physical one last night. That was whoop. Some Blackhawks came to
0: play. Mike, we are also on with Roar. I'm sure that the two of you will probably meet, you know, on the field this Saturday. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Looking forward to it. Mike, let me ask you a question. Coming off that game, Mike, the Dynasty have a target on their backs. Like they are the two-time defending champions, and everyone is shooting to def- to dethrone you. When you entered the early parts of the season, how do you shake that off and just focus on the focus on the game, each individual game, each week?
2: Um, Honestly, with that, you just take it one game at a time. We've been having Target on the back for a long time, and that's nothing new to us. So you take it one game at a time. We don't look at ourselves as, oh, we the champions, and nobody's going to be scared to come play us. So we take it one game at a time, and – and go from there.
0: Now, Roy, you have played all over the field. You have have played offense. You have played defense. What's your preferred spot?
1: Preferably I'm uh, more of a slot receiver because I can move from there to running back at any moment um, during the game. But as of right now, you know, I'm just pretty much here to help my team win. So whatever the team needs, that's what I'm willing to do.
0: Now, Mike, you're facing a Kings pass rush that Coach Washington, Coach Allen, they have they have pieces. In fact, that they, they are hell bent on kind of getting that back foot and getting home. When when you when you, you're facing that top echel top echelon in the elite defense, how does your mindset change?
2: Um. Honestly, we have to come in every week thinking that we're facing the best of the best. So whether it was uh, Kings, whether it's the Kings or the Blackhawks, or further down the line, we have to we have to prepare like we're facing the best of the best and get ready for it. And I I understand the Kings—they're coming. We played them last year, and they're coming. They they're bringing five, six, and they're coming. So you got to buckle down and just be ready for it.
0: Now, Roy, as someone who coached last year and as decorated as a player as you are, what brought you back to the field?
1: No, I still just feel like I have a lot more to offer other than just coaching. Because like, nowadays, you know, it's, it's more or less you showing them like I'm, I'm more or less a coach on the field. You can actually show them what you what you want them to do as opposed to just trying to tell them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I still got a lot left in the tank, and I don't know, you know, it's just, I guess it's never just went away. And like I say, it has just set me up where the players I have their see that you really played that and you're willing to get in there with them and go through each play. And, you know, and it's just more respect earned. And then when you step up to the next level to be a coach, then they really have that respect for you already.
0: It's funny that you mentioned that word because I actually honestly think that when you're when you wind down, whenever you choose to walk off, I think that there will be a a headset in an organization will probably be on your phone the moment that you take the pads off for the last time.
1: Yeah, I, not,
0: I really considered that. I'm not psychic, but let's just say I have a good feeling about it, Mike. When you, <laughs> When you look at your job as offensive lineman, and just like you said, you try to treat every team like they are they have an elite defense. Are there times when you look at the person lined up across from you who may not be elite and you just know in your heart that you're about to wear his ass out?
2: <laughs> when I said what I feel, I feel like bad about everybody. Like I, go on, I walk onto the field knowing I'm about to wash everybody that steps in front of me but there's times where it's just like you, you got to be kidding me like you, you're not here right now to do this let's let's try again tomorrow so yeah there's times where you walk on like yeah this is going to be a good one have you ever felt like there's like
0: a guy may not, I mean you do have to say names but you felt like there's a guy who's may not be the most talented but tries hard and he, he brought it for four quarters even though his team took a severe L but he fought like did he earn your respect that day
2: um. Yeah, we played the game last year, and um, they they were, they were at home, and they were still outnumbered. And but they fought for four quarters, and I I couldn't do nothing but respect the players that were there. Like you, y'all tried. You knew what we came to do, and y'all tried, and y'all went for four quarters. I, you have no choice but to respect somebody with heart.
0: Now, Roy, you have spent some time as a, a running back. Has it been a time when you have been in the the, the open field, and you see either that linebacker or that safety are, are approaching, and you have no, no thought of trying to move away or to juke him. You are about to lower your shoulder. Have you ever seen fear in that player's eyes? And did that change what you're about to do, or did you just say, I'm just going to run through him?
1: Yeah, I've been in that position a couple of times, and every time it's the, it's the same result. You you don't back off anybody. Even if you have that fear in his eyes, you just you buckle down and let him know I'm here and I'm going to be here every play. And this is what you're going to get, maximum effort every play. Now, Mike, you,
0: you block for the Steven Jackson. He is the defending MVP, multiple-time champion, What makes him special as a quarterback?
2: He wants to win. At all costs, he wants to win. He's not worried about, well, what if I get hurt? Uh, I got to look this way at the end of the day. If you know Steve personally, the MVP thing, it's cool, but at the end of the day, I want to hold up the trophy and say I'm a champion. Steve wants to win at all costs.
0: Now, conversely, Roy, you you have known a Jiren for a very long time. He is he has been around the scene in New Orleans for a, a few years. What makes him an elite passer, in your opinion?
1: Oh, arm strength, without a doubt, arm strength and the capability to make any throw on the field at any time from any spot. I mean, undoubtedly, he's got to be one of the most talented arms I've seen.
0: He made a throw in that game against uh, against the Jordan uh, Kings where he was on the near hash. He threw it to the far hash on a line, and at this level, you don't see throws like that. He threw it on a line, just on a on a direct line. It was it was beautiful. It's one of those things to definitely behold, Mike. When you when you look at Le Stevens game, he is an elusive quarterback. Now, I'm sure that you have played behind or played in front of a few uh, pocket passers in your day. How does somebody with the agility and mobility to extend plays or to extend the pocket or move outside the pocket, how how does that play for somebody used to playing downhill on the offensive line?
2: With somebody that's that elusive, sometimes it's it's a positive most of the time because, you know, if I miss this block, he can get out of there. But sometimes it changes the way your angle on making a block. Sometimes you are you think, all right, I have him walled off this way because the quarterback's behind me, and next thing you know, the guy's changing where he's going because the quarterback changed. Like I said, most times it's a positive because, like, all right, if I miss, keep fighting because Steve can make something happen and I can get back in position.
0: Now, Roy, you share a similar mindset with Coach Washington and Coach Allen and just the entire team organization as far as being disciplined and being one who is about that job and about getting this done. When there is, I wouldn't say dissension, but when there needs to be corrective action as a leader, are you are you more of the vocal type or more of the talk about it after the game type as far as practices?
1: I try to be both, you know. So I try to correct it while it's going wrong, and sometimes it could be it can be taken in the wrong way because of the heat of the moment. So you know, I try to do that as I want to say politically correct as possible without stepping on somebody's toes. So you know, because you don't want to take them out of the game. You want them to keep that 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 fire, that intensity, but you don't want to and but you still want to correct them at the same time. So I try to do that as best as I can in that moment, but then afterwards. When everything died down and everybody's calm, that's when I really dig into it and get the details with them.
0: Now, Mike. Now, someone who plays on a championship team, who has, like I said, who has all the accolades and awards. When there is a mistake in practice, how quick are you to pull aside a younger player and say, "Hey, you know, this is not how we do it here," or is is it more of a team-wide thing with the dynasty?
2: It's um, it's more of a team thing. We um. We like to look at ourselves like a family. And um I will on occasion when I have to, like some of the young players they get they get excited, they get antsy and um, you pull them to the side, you talk them like, Hey, listen, this is this is how we do it, this is what's going on, but um for the most part it's it's a it's a family. And so most times people are able to take constructive criticism and, and keep moving forward. So but um it's mostly it's about um how you talk to everyone. You know, everyone don't respond to everything the same way. So, like keeping a level head and knowing your, knowing your teammates and your brothers and how they they'll react to certain things.
0: Now, Roy, you haven't played in a couple of years because, you like I said, you coached last year. When you step on the field on Saturday, what's the one sound, smell, feel that you are most anticipating?
1: Oh man, just plastic. I gotta need some plastic colliding. Once once I hear that, the, the butterflies are gone pretty much. I mean, that's that's and that's what we do this for, you know. I love the physical part of the game.
0: Now, Mike, you said that you're still sore from last night's epic battle with the Black Hawks. How long did it take you to recuperate from being in the trenches and pretty much fighting for about three hours?
2: Um should take a day or two. Um I'll be once I you know, today's the rest day. Monday back, uh, working out, stretching, I'll be fine by, by Tuesday. I'll be fine, ready to go.
0: Now, Roy, on that same tag, on that same vein, you have, you're a veteran and you see a lot of younger players. on The, the Kings do have a few younger players. What's the one piece of advice you would have for anyone who would want to play with the Kings, a, a young player, that is?
1: Oh, be ready to work. Because we work. I mean, every time we step on that field, you have to be ready to work. You have to be willing to put the work in. I mean, Coach Coach Douglas don't – I mean, Coach Frederick don't play that at all. you got to put the work in in order to play. No matter what you're doing, what position you playing, he's watching everybody. So if you're not willing to put the work in, uh, do your part, whether you on, you're a starter or you a backup, special teams, he wants 100% out of everybody at all times.
0: Now Mike you have Coach Lloyd is widely respected and known as an innovator. How would you tell a younger player who might want to join the identity in the future years about Coach Lloyd? What's what is his approach to rookies?
2: Mike is a very laid back coach. He doesn't he's not he's not a yeller, he's not going to He's not too quick to get in someone's face, but Mike wants results, and he, he like that's one thing we all have in common. We want to win, so be ready to come and produce. Don't don't come and be I I I. That not that big of a deal if the team loses. So Mike wants the results, and he he's gonna respect you and respect him.
0: Now Roy, you look at the you look at the entire a great New Orleans area, you have such deep talent. I haven't seen an area, it's not small, but it's not like New York, Miami. It's smaller than that, but it's such levels of talent. When you look at the Kings and you look at the city, how have the Kings managed to capture the hearts and minds of New Orleans?
1: Oh, we we, we we do a lot with the community. Like, you know, we, we, we try to be out there a lot and have our players do a lot with the community. So I mean, when other players come up see that they you know when they don't get that that shot to go to the next level, they know they can still come play for the Kings and still try to create their own opportunity. So I mean, it just that's just the way things seem to have been working for us.
0: Now, Mike, you have a different situation in Mississippi where the Dynasty is the dominant team in the state. Just Let's just call it what it is, from Belhaven to Biloxi. It's just pretty much a Dynasty state. When you are able to go recruiting, not even younger players, just players from other teams, what is the one thing that a player would be surprised about the Dynasty organization that you would tell them? Like one thing that would shock them?
2: One thing that shocks a lot of players is um, that's how how close we really are to each other. Like I said, we we preach family. Like we, if you see us from Steve to uh, Jay Hicks, O line, we we are really a tight knit family. So we don't run like a robot, So we understand all the other things that goes on and and. Um, we're family, and uh, a lot of people don't. Another thing is a lot of people don't realize. They think, well, we come. Their roster is locked. Nah, there's no set spot. Anybody can lose their starting role, and but like I said, when it comes back to that family element, you understand that we're here for the same thing. So, you may not be a starter, but the other person is in a better position to help us win.
0: Now, Roy, you share a stadium and you share a city with the Lightning. You have you. You probably know players on both. Actually, I can guarantee you the know players on both teams. What is that competition or that uh, rivalry like between the Kings and Lightning?
1: Oh, it's like the big brother, little brother. Like, you know, um, the big brother always wins and picks on the little brother from time to time. But we can't take the little brother lightly, you know, because there is that time that the Lightning is get, becoming a good organization, a real good team. So we still can't take them lightly. So, I mean, we just we up for the challenge with the lightning, and I mean citywide is it's the best two teams in the city, pretty much. I
0: agree. Now, Mike, if you ha- you're a, a veteran of APDFL, who is the toughest player you've had to block in your tenure with the dynasty
2: why? Um, that's tough because there's a lot of there's a lot of great D linemen. You know, you got Pat Campbell. Uh, Jay Rob was there last night. Ken Wells, but last night, um, and I'm not sure if his name was number 72 from the Blackhawks. He was big, strong, and just he was quick off the ball and aggressive, and that was um, that was one of the toughest ones in a while. Like I've I haven't I haven't played against someone yet that was able to put all that together. Just yeah.
0: Now Roy, as we said, you are definitely a veteran of many teams and many seasons, who is your favorite opponent as far as player that you love going against?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. Um, Man, I had to say Anthony Matthews with the Lightning. Fish? Yeah. Because, I mean, we know each other personally, so when we see each other, as, you know, like we we were, we were real good friends, and but when we see each other on the field, like, it's that that rivalry. is like I have to beat you, I have to beat you. And then, because we know we're gonna see each other again, like maybe in the next two or three days, so it's like it's bragging rights. Every time we get on the field, it's for bragging rights.
0: Now, Mike, we have talked to other defensive, we have talked to linemen, we have talked to other players. As an offensive lineman, I'm sure you've had to deal with your share of defensive linemen taking liberties, be it maybe hitting you in the throat, going outside your head. Doing a little extra, how do you personally deal with those who like to skirt the rules and play on the fringe?
2: Um I've learned over oh, it's a part of the game. People are gonna do it uh you try not to react. Um especially when you're considered to be a leader, you try not to react because then you get everybody out of that game by you reacting. So uh you know, you you may give the refs a heads up, but anybody anybody that played sport know O line D line is one of the toughest but dirtiest parts of the game. So you do your best not to, not to react. You let them know like, "Hey man, we're not we're not here for this." But it, that's the best way to deal: not reacting, just going to the next play.
0: Now, Roy, same question to you: like you, like I said, you played in a bunch of different positions, and I'm sure you've had to straighten a few people out. How do you
1: approach that without Catching the flag, or how do you deal with foolery? Oh no, I just beat them straight up and let them know that you can't beat me even by cheating. If you want to play dirty, you be by all means go play dirty. I'm gonna beat you straight up with, with the rules, and it makes me feel that much better to know that I didn't have to stoop to your level to beat you.
0: Now, my you have played in. A very stadium throughout as a man dynasty. What is the worst stadium you've ever had to play in and why?
2: I'm sorry, what was your question?
0: You've had to play in a bunch of different stadiums with the dynasty as far as being the road team. What is the worst stadium you've had to play in and why?
2: Ooh. Um, we played a game against the Emerald Coast Scorpion. And, uh, their field was just sandy. And, uh, it made, made your legs heavy. Like it, was, it was like running in running sand. It made your legs heavy. That was, that was a pretty tough one for me. Like
0: playing at Oakville. Yeah. Roy, where's the worst place you ever had to play as a member of a semi pro team?
1: Oh, man. um, I was playing for the Louisiana Blazing Bulldogs. I don't remember the exact stadium. We were playing a team up north, uh, it had to be close to three for it. Man, the guys had to come cut the grass right before the game. I mean, it oh. was knee high, so we, we literally had to wait for them to cut the grass right before the game, before the game. No, no, that ain't right. right.
0: Um, <laughs> now, my, with your career is done and you have looked back at the scope and you have looked at all the accomplishments, what is the one
2: thing that you will take away about being a member of the Mississippi Dynasty? Um the one thing I I gained brothers like that that's one thing I'll take away I gained brothers like I've been through some personal things and they were there you know so from Mississippi Dynasty I gained brothers like like I told you before like we all here to win and that's one thing about the dynasty but we're all here to come together and be be there for each other.
0: Now, Roy, you 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 mentioned the Blazing Bulldogs, and for those who don't know, the Blazing Bulldogs will probably go down as one of, if not the best, semi-pro team, or one of to ever play in the Southeast, maybe in the United States. They won 43 straight over three seasons. They would put up triple digits on people. They played tough competition everywhere, everywhere from Texas, to Florida, up, down, everywhere. Roy, as a member of that team, and you look back at it, you had such an ensemble of talent. One, how did you, how did you all stay together as a team for so long? And two, are there lessons from that team that you would bring to the Kings
1: today? Yeah, well, we stayed, we stayed together so long because, like he said, it becomes a brotherhood, like. You come from different odds and ends of the city, and you just mesh, and you 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 form friendships that will never be like they'll never end. No matter what, you might see this guy two weeks later. That's still one of your best friends. And We haven't played together in, in almost three years. Now the only thing I will take with that from the I'll take from that team to bring to the Kings is you have to check your eagles at the door. Nobody
2: is better than anybody
1: on that field or on that team at any given time. Everything is earned. nothing's given. So, check your ego at the door and come in ready to put in a lot of hard work. I
0: thought you were going to bring also the fact that you guys had, like, a bunch of different uh, jersey types, like clean, like 80 different types of jerseys just clean, just
1: matched up everything. Oh, yeah. That yeah, yeah. Smooth. That was definitely – that was a uh, – that was a perk. But that just come that was – from having a, a strong organization that's willing to reward the players from w- coming in and doing so, so such hard work, like we had, we had a, a real backing back then. Like we were one of the that was, I think, pretty much before the Kings really got rolling. So that was one of the their stronger teams back then, if I could say Mike, it like that.
0: Mike, you like I said, you have been playing for a while. What is the if you could go back and I don't know. Hop in a time machine and give advice to the 18, 18 year eighteen-year-old version of yourself. What would you say to yourself?
2: Take um your off-the-field work more seriously. Don't be um don't be lazy when it comes to the gym and the extra running. I'm, a B, I'm an I'm O-line. I hate running. I feel like there's no need for me to run more than fifteen to twenty yards. But um, take more of that serious, and um, it'll make a huge difference in the game.
0: Now, Roy, as someone who exercises complete discipline and out of discipline, what advice would you give to the, the 80 version, 80-year-old version of, your, of you? What
1: would, I, what would I give the 18-year-old? I don't know. Honestly, just work hard, I guess. Cause, I mean, the 18-year-old version of me was hard-headed. Thought I knew everything, didn't want to listen to nobody. So it's pretty much just just open your mind and stop stop trying to know everything.
0: Now speaking of that, Mike, like like Overhead said, you know you have younger players who are hard headed. The modern player, what's what's the one thing that irritates you most about the modern player?
2: The the just knowing everything coming in. Uh, well, yeah, I know, but that that line right there is one of the most irritating, irritating things that can be said. I know, but, no. It's no I know, but. You know, you did that wrong. I'm telling you. I'm not telling you to, you know, come down any wrong way, but I'm telling you so we can grow from it. But when, you, when someone says, I know, but I did th- this way because of this. No, no, no. We have it set away for a reason. And that that that's one thing that, yeah. Now, Roy, the
0: same question to you.
2: When you see a younger player, it don't have to be
0: the king. It can be with with other team, other organizations. What is the one thing that just gets on your nerves about the the modern young player?
1: Yeah, just the same. Pretty much the same thing. He said that I know it all, and I know, but I can do. Just don't know sometimes. Just open up your ears and listen. Like, and then it's it's. It's the feedback. They never have positive feedback. It's never just. Sometimes you know you just want them to shut up and listen, and instead they always have feedback. It's like no, I don't need you to talk. I need you to listen. And that's pretty. That's like the most irritating thing for anybody. Coaches, captains, veterans. It's it's hard to get through to these younger players sometimes.
0: We had a coach on our first day. I was oh, I was wet behind the ears. There was a sign in there was a sign in the locker room that said, Ears open, mouth closed. And the coach would point to the sign, I didn't say a word the first couple of practice. I didn't say a thing. Except when my name was called. And it's it, it it's to that effect. I think that's what's lost. You see too many people who want to be hot on social media and there should be they should be hot on the field or trying to apply their craft a lot better. Now, with that said, Mike, let me ask you a question. As a native New Yorker in Mississippi, which is I can't say anything because I'm from Connecticut and I'm in Wisconsin, so I I feel on that one. What is what has been the toughest transition that you had to make going from the Northeast to down south?
2: The toughest? Uh, mm-hmm. The speed. Every everything's a little bit more laid back. Everything, everybody just you know just laid back and you know I get there when I get there, and that was. That was one of the differences.
0: Now, Mike, uh, sorry now Roy, you have you you seem to have a pride about being from New Orleans. What's the one thing you would tell somebody who has never been to the city about the city itself like why are you proud to be from there?
1: Oh it's just the culture. There's no place in this country like New Orleans. There's no place you can go in the world pretty much like New Orleans. So, I mean, why not be part of a one-of-a-kind situation?
0: That is fair. Now, Mike, when you had to make the transition from uh, Comac to uh, Mississippi, you had to lose good pizza along the way. How have you managed to survive without having a good slice?
2: <laughs> we actually, uh, it was rough, you know, for the for long that to have Franchise pizzas, you know, Pizza Hut, Papa John's, yeah. Domino's, but we have a few places here in um, Jackson uh, that that's really close. Not quite the same, but close. So um, I just treasure it whenever I, you know, take my trip back home.
0: We would like I'm from Connecticut. We'd sit back and I would sit there and grab a slice and just eat it slower than I ever eat a slice before, because I knew that once I was going and I, I was hopping that plane. I wouldn't see it for a while. Roy, exactly. speaking of food, what is your favorite local spot? Not so much the popular spot, but when you're hungry and you just want something, what's your favorite spot to go to?
1: Oh, Chinese Kitchen, most definitely. Really? It's, I know it sounds it sound weird, but that's like some of the best Chinese food i had in the city. Oh, wow.
0: That <laughs> surprises me. It's, it's, like,
1: just, it's different because we eat everything down there, so... To be able to just go get some good Chinese food is, is good. That's fair. Like for me, I would sit there and like sit
0: there with a plate a uh, whole table full of uh, crawfish by myself. That, <laughs> that's what I would do. But my getting back to the the uh, culture shock outside of the food, the music. How would you compare Southern rap to you know being on the East Coast and what do, what do you like? What don't you like about uh, southern
2: hip hop? Lyrical content. I've had this debate many times. Lyrical content, like from what it seems to me, from being here, and I've been here for a while. I've been here for um, a little over ten years. Um, they love, long as you got a good beat and a snap and a catchy uh, hook, the song is great. It's going, but. uh I like to play my music and just ride, and you know, not have to hit you know the back button too many times just to hear one song. I no, I like lyrical content that I can drift away to.
0: Now, Roy, you, like I said, being from New Orleans, you have Lil Wayne, you have Master P, you have a whole host of just phenomenal hip hop voices. In your opinion, who is the best rapper to ever? Ever come out of New Orleans and why?
1: Coming out of New Orleans? Well, that's hands down, that's Lil Wayne. And well, that's just uh, because
2: no, I, go ahead.
1: Like, I watched, yeah, we watched him grow from the Hot Boys to the Carter series and and now this new Lil Wayne that nobody seems to down here seems to like anymore. <laughs> now, Roy, who is the local rapper
0: that you think will make it big in the next few years? Like, no one heard him outside of New Orleans yet.
1: Locally? Um, hmm. Let me see. Because there's, there's, there's so many. I, that's a tough one. I'm, I really have to sit down and think about this one. But, uh... Man. um, There was a dude... Uh, Youngin. I mean, sadly he, his life was in the but he was he was bty young and was on his way
0: now mike now you've had to like i said you you've been there 10 years which college team do you cheer for down there are you a are you a hail state guy or are you an old miss
2: um jackson state that's what i'm gonna say by default i'm wow. a Jackson state guy. But- <laughs> but when it comes to those two, I'm I'm a, I'm more of a Hell uh, State guy.
0: See, I find that a lot, a lot of people are more uh, of uh, Miss, uh, Mississippi State guy. Now Roy, now I I gotta ask. We've been cool for a long time, and I'm still surprised that somebody from Louisiana is an Alabama fan. Explain to me
1: why. Oh man, um, if I mean it's not it's not really too much to explain. I mean, I grew up playing safety and watching Roman Harper made me want to play safety even better. And I started watching him playing for Alabama. And when he turned it on his senior year, that just made me want to go to Alabama and play at Alabama. I just became a fan.
0: Now, Roy, when you see Alabama pretty much handle LSU year in, year out, every year seemingly, how much satisfaction do do you take to know that your your Crimson Tide have crushed the dreams of a Tiger fan for the better part of a decade now?
1: Oh, I I, I, I indulge in it. I walk around with a with an S on my chest every time I walk up to an LSU fan. Like I literally saw uh, Darius Geis at a parade last night, and when he walked past me, it, it felt so good just to tell him like Roll Tide. See now, Mike,
0: when you look at Jackson State, I mean, even though I mean that's a, you know, why don't you think that the SWAC and HBCUs in general get the pub of a uh, major colleges for football?
2: Um, I believe they don't have the uh, the same resources, so uh, to say, like as an Alabama or a Mississippi State. So you know it's not as attractive for a lot of uh, top athletes to go. You know you ha- you'll have one or two here and there that'll decide to go. You know HBCU, but for the most part, it's not as attractive.
0: Now, Roy, you you have mentioned being a safety. I'm like I said, being a little older, I got I got the chance to watch Alabama play uh, Miami down at the uh, Sugar Bowl for the uh, national championship in 1993, and you mentioned safety, the greatest play I think I've ever seen in college was Lamar Thomas on a go, beat the corner. He beat Antonio Lane going. George T. ran from about 50 yards away, caught up to him at the eight-yard line, ripped the ball out of his hands, picked it up, and ran the other way. If that in Alabama went on to win a national championship, if that doesn't kind of send a chill through, like, just – Knowing that Alabama won a national championship in New Orleans, I don't know what is. In your opinion, what is the greatest moment that you have watched Alabama as a fan, like the, the greatest moment, the greatest play that you've seen as a Tide fan?
1: Um, um, I would have to go back a couple years to uh, – I don't want to see this wrong. I think it was – Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think T.J. Yeldon was the running back, and he came back to beat LSU. Yep.
0: It, it was. He is. He's about to make himself a little bit of cash too. Now, Mike, when you look <laughs> at now, Mike, what is the most overrated movie that everyone loves that you can't stand? That you 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 sat through? You like this is trash. I don't want to watch this crap anymore. What is the most overrated movie to
2: you? Overrated movie? That's a tough one. I'm not even sure. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, wow. Um, nine times out of ten, and I don't like. I don't like a lot of hype about a movie anyway. So if everybody wants to see it. Is like, yeah, no, nah, I'm good. Well, Roy, there's what, nothing recent I can think of. That
0: makes sense, Roy. What is the most overrated movie to you?
1: Venom. Lately, hey, I went to see Venom, and it just it's, it it kind of it hurt my feelings a little bit with the the way was going with their series, and I was just like, oh no, you couldn't do this to me right now, because
0: <laughs> I I thought that Venom was supposed to be this hyper violent, like really aggressive. No, it was like the PG thirteen like kids Venom, like
1: yeah. <laughs> It was, it was upset because I'm a big fan of the Marvel series. And I was just, I was really upset.
0: What's your favorite Marvel movie, Roy?
1: Right now, I have to go with uh, favorite. Oh. Got to go with The Avengers. I agree. The first they got the next one coming out in a month. Yeah, the first one was is just a classic. Because you really can go back, after watching all of them, you can go back to that first one and say, oh, like they dropped a little, little Easter egg throughout the first one, and you can go back and relate to every last one of them through that first one.
0: Now, Mike, what is your favorite Marvel movie?
2: Some weird reason I like Ant-Man. I don't know what it good. is about him. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. Now,
0: I I like Ant-Man too. It's, it's definitely good. I think my least favorite was probably uh, Daredevil, the Ben Affleck Daredevil. That that movie was so bad. I
1: yeah, like- that was a bad movie.
0: <laughs> I couldn't leave the movie theater because it was like a date. I'm sitting, there, I'm like, oh Lord, please let this like the first five minutes. I automatically regret going to watch it. <laughs> I was praying for blindness. I'm like, this is it. Just end it. Just stop. Just if Ben Affleck acted any more wooden, you see a termite fly of his nose. <laughs> yeah, he was, was a little different than that one. I don't know. Stiff. But, Roy, to you, when you look at the course of just the whole season itself, and you look at how you see people acting a fool via social media, now you are one of the most chill people on social media. You don't really let people have it unless they cross a the line of piss you off. When you look at a player who may not be the greatest player who might be trying to run his mouth, what's the one piece of advice you give him about how
1: to approach the whole social media age? Hey, if you can't back it up, don't say anything at all. Just sit on your fingers and don't type anything. Until you can prove yourself, you know, they got a lot of guys that that's not proven and you turn on the film, they either still sitting on the bench, or they getting blowed off the ball, the receiver's running by them, they can't get off the line. And then when you get on Facebook the next day or uh, any form of social media, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, I had a, the best all-around game, but when you turn the film, it's like, dude, the eye in the sky don't lie. Come on, now. Huh? Like, that's, you can't run from the camera.
0: Exactly. Mike, I'm sure without saying names, you probably could think of like four people, no names, who are the hottest of garbage. What advice would you give to them about their social media approach?
2: Um, Social media is only entertainment. So, hey, keep having fun. But, you know, we're going to find you during the game. And when we up close and we face-to-face, and it's a little different. So, you know, keep having your fun, but we going to find you.
0: Now, Roy, I know you had mentioned that you like to grab some Chinese. What New Orleans staple food that is, is your favorite? Be it a big a, be it uh, crawfish. What's your favorite local food outside of Chinese?
1: Oh, my favorite, favorite local food? Uh, Ray beans and rice. Hey, Amen. Red beans, rice, fried chicken, you can, you, I mean, you can't beat it. Mm-hmm.
0: That is no word of a lie. Like, I can actually tell you from personal experience, being uh, I'll mean, over after, let's just say, a wild night on Bourbon or just a few wild nights, and stumbling over to uh, a cafe du monde and looking for that beignet coffee, and then somehow every day finding shri- uh, shrimp and grits. Make that yeah, shrimp and grits, good. Now, Mike, when we're looking for this game here. Like I said, you're playing the king. You're playing, you know, this might be a clash of the top two teams in the APDFL. You know, like you said, you know they are going to come screaming, like come down the line. When you look at the people across the ball, and you look at the fact it's it's going to be probably a nice, clean, well game. Well, better game. Where do you see the strengths of the Nazi taking over?
2: Endurance. Um, like I said, we we're not going to stop coming. Like we're not, you know, as we've seen that last night. We're not going to stop, and that's going to be. I think that's that'll be a difference right there. Now,
0: Rory, to you, when you, you know, when you put that classic on and you were about to head out on that field, how do you see the Kings being able to assert their authority over the dynasty?
1: That's a good question. Um, it's just going. I mean, the trenches, the battle of the trenches. We got to win in the trenches to win that game, pretty much. We know they're gonna bring it for sixty minutes, so we gotta bring it for all sixty minutes. And whoever can bring it and dominate that line of scrimmage. So that's I mean, that's pretty much our goal to try to dominate that front line.
0: Now, Mike, what is the one gift that I'm not sure if you have children, but that as a football player at this level, what's the one gift or one one lesson that you wanna
2: teach either your kids or if you have kids or nephews, nieces. Um, I don't have any children, but um a lot of people don't don't let anything deter you. Like uh I don't know if, a lot of people don't know this and I, I share it but a lot of people don't know this actually I live with multiple sclerosis. And some people that like the end of it, but nah, keep going. Keep trying. Like go for what you want. That's, that's my lesson, lesson to I do have a lot of decent necks. That's my lesson to them. Don't let anything stand in your way. If you want it, go get it.
0: Now, Roy, I know you have children. I mean, You you, know, you are a proud dad. You you, you can tell that there's a fatherly pride you have for your children. What lesson, as a football player, and a damn good one, would you want to pass on to your children?
1: Oh, never give up and work hard. The harder you work, the better you're gonna you're gonna be at anything. And then nothing's always gonna go your way. So when it goes wrong, you gotta push through it and just work even harder. Now, Mike, getting back,
0: you know, this at the Roy's bank Roy's point, you see a lot of people who look like the three of us who may not have whole oh, forfeit their chance to use football as a means to either channel frustration or to to let it out. When you see somebody who is ultimately talented who, who loses that ability to express themselves via athletics, how does that make you want to inspire the next one to ascend to a better lot in life?
2: Um. Like I said, it, we, we we do have that ability to, to show, listen, there's, there's other ways to get that frustration out. Like, um, you know, I actually one of the things I say a lot, feel, a lot of people go on feelings and emotions. And, you know, you can't do that. So what do you have because we're human? So find find another way to get them out and, and use it to be positive, you know, and that's what. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, Roy, like you know, like we said, New Orleans is a—it's a beautiful city, but it, it, it is also not the easiest town to grow up in and to live in. You see, a violence is probably found the doors of people you know up close. When you see lost talent, or you see somebody who lost their way, how do you take that feeling and try to? like I said, inspire the next athlete to say, hey, there's more to life than to be on the streets.
1: Oh, it's hard. Sometimes you literally have to hold hold a hand and bring them step by step to show them this,
2: there's a better way.
1: You don't have to do everything you see out in the streets just to get ahead in life. We got a couple of guys on our team that's like teachers and they, they really involved with the youth. We got coaches and PeeWee coaches. I mean, we're trying our best to make sure that you can actually stop this cycle in the beginning, so they don't go out and and make the same mistakes they see other people making, or uh, chase the fast money or anything like that.
0: I'll be honest, just as a fan of the the sport and the league, I can't wait to see these two teams, crackheads, and meet up this Saturday night. Roy, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for carving out part of your Sunday. I really appreciate this, fellas.
2: Man, thank you for oh, having me,
0: you. man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh... Thank you for joining us for the another episode of the Under the Helmet podcast. We will catch you next week. Thank you.